everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 177, I think. Uh, at, at this age, it's difficult to tell, you know, and it, and, and it doesn't matter so much either. Anyway, uh, my name's Aid, and uh, sadly, we have no Rachel with us uh, this week. Uh, Rachel's uh, uh, travels and, and general schedule ha- have uh, undermined her presence here this week, which is a shame. Uh, but uh, I, I do have uh, the boy Wanda with me, and we have a super special guest. Uh, Graham, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. Yeah, uh, I made the effort. <laughs> the fact that Rachel's stuck on the train, I feel it should have been no impediment. She should have found some way of somehow getting in it. I know she's very disappointed to not be here, actually. So, um, you know, some sympathy, I suppose. Yes. And it's her birthday this week as well. So It is, isn't it? It is. She's going to be 43. <laughs> oh, it's just as well that she isn't <laughs> because she'd slap you down the phone line aid probably probably okay just for the for the avoidance of doubt uh, uh and to just come clean on that uh, rachel is not 43 she's 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 on the good side of 40 but there you go anyway i i actually have no idea how old rachel is but we probably uh, shouldn't discuss it while 21, we're recording. Twenty-one, I think. 21. Twenty-one. That sounds about yeah. right, actually. That sounds about right. Let's go with that. Okay, moving swiftly on. Uh, I'm getting us into trouble, so why don't you take over mm-hmm. and introduce our super special guest? Yes, very pleased to have this gentleman join us this evening. Um, this is somebody who uh, I, I think we first heard the name come up when we had one of our past guests on. Um, uh, Kai Lewis joined us a few months ago. She was talking about some work she'd done for a project called Obsolete and Discontinued. And that project, uh, along with many other very interesting things, was the brainchild of the delightful Mike Crawford, who we're very lucky to have on the show tonight. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much to both of you. I'm, I'm wondering, can I, can I be 43 tonight? Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, 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 Thank I, you. I, Thank I, you. I wouldn't mind seeing 43 again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even I'm at that point now where I'd like to see 43 again, which is very upsetting. Um, but thank you. It's been very good to be with you both. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's been far too long and far too much disorganisation on my part, as is always the case <laughs> with everybody. Um, I think there's there's loads of stuff we want to talk about tonight because you do and have done loads of really cool stuff. But I think a, a good place to start would be talking about what you do as your nine to five, because I think that's a good lead into all the other stuff you come up with. So um, can you, well, just tell us what your, what your career is? Well, I, I, my, my career is as, as a photographic printer. So I, I spend, it's a little bit more than nine to five, to be honest, but I spend my time in the darkroom and, and digital to an extent as well, but predominantly in the darkroom these days. Uh, printing exhibitions and work for photographers. Um, so yes, I, so I I spend my time as a printer, printing everyone else's photographs. So you started up your business, working for yourself at least, back in 1995, um, when the choice was darkroom prints or not. You know, it's darkroom prints. You're getting darkroom prints. Um, obviously, things have changed a lot since then. How how was that transition for you? Because we've talked to a lot of people about making the transition from. Uh, analog to digital photography and how that affected their business but how did it affect you in the print business it's it's well 95 they, they were great great times you know it was a lot it was, it was quite a bit after that digital really hit uh, i let's think i i left college 84 came to london at that time the bjp the british journal of photography you know it was it was very different to the to the to the magazine it is today 
And every copy had maybe so six, seven pages of jobs in photography. Wow. If you can imagine. That is wow. very different from today. There were jobs um, in photography? <laughs> there, were, there were jobs and all sorts of jobs. Six, seven, definitely sort of three, four, five, you know, pages of, of, of jobs. And so I think it took me two, three weeks after coming to London to get a job. And it was in a, it was in a lab and studio in Covent Garden. And I thought, well, I'll do this for, you know, six months and I'll meet photographers and I'll get a job in the studio and I ended up being nine years there and then I I got approached by a specialist lab who started up called Lightest Darkroom to, to work with them so I worked with them and but then sadly Christopher Joyce who was a very well known advertising photographer he he, he died um in 94 yeah in, in 94 so I then sort of took over and bought, bought the business um, but in those days it was very sort of much working with photographers doing specialized printing and there was no there was no digital at that point and then slowly it came through in fact there were, there were just the first sort of you know inklings of digital happening about that sort of time but 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 then it was just it was all sort of scanning and then you know sort of uh, scanning from film and then working with very expensive operators in, in the very sort of early days of Photoshop. Um, and then you know, sort of digital hits maybe 10 years after that, and then then, then it all changed. Mm. And and you change with it, because as you said, you do work with digital as well, don't you? You do make digital prints of all sorts as well. Yeah, I, I you know, I've predominantly been sort of, you know, in the darkroom all, all this time. Uh, I had a year out sort of, 12, 13 years ago, you know, so I, I lived in Germany for a year because the whole, you, you can just see the whole business sort of really sort of going down as everyone has, has switched over. That that was a time, say, 15, 16 years ago, where it was, it was, if not overnight, it was, it was very sudden. You know, you could go around Soho in a van and just pick up 10, 8 and larges from skips. There, there were so many uh, labs, wow. labs closing down. Because I think when I started, there were maybe 100 labs and professional labs in london uh and that that ranged from you know very very big places to sort of like one-man bands like myself um but there was a huge amount of you know photographic processing and printing going on and yeah it sort of started sort of changing and then there was just like this year or two where everything just went went down um but when i came back to london i i thought well i better start doing digital because things like you know buying food Seemed quite important. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's happened is 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 very encouraging, you know. So for for quite a few years, I was working digital in darkroom, sometimes fifty fifty. For a lot of the time, more more digital. But definitely, the last sort of five six years, it's changed totally, and I'm now probably at least eighty percent doing darkroom work again. And yeah, still doing digital work as well. Um, but yeah, predominantly now my client base is is mostly sort of darkroom work for, for you know, sort of quite 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 well known photographers, artists for exhibitions, print sales, that that sort of thing. Um, with the work that you're doing now, how much of it is people who are coming to you with analog photography in the first place to get prints from that? How much of it is people coming to you with work they've shot digitally that they then want to make analog prints from that? Oh, that's that's interesting. Uh, that's that is happening more and more now. Um, there, I've just actually finished printing uh, a work for a Portuguese artist, and half the exhibition is quite large digital prints, and the other half are lift prints, but they're of from digital files. So we have to get negatives made from from the digital files. So it's it's not uncommon now actually to 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 
sometimes it happens because people just want to retouch something from 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 a film photograph, so the work's you know sort of scanned, high resolution, and retouched, and then a, a, a negative made. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so there the definitely are sort of you know sort of um, more and more instances of of, of um, printing analog darkroom prints from digital files. But predominantly, yes, it is from negatives, and quite a bit of the work I, I do is from, if not archive work, it's you know work from photographer, well, yes, from photographers' archives from the seventies or sixties or eighties, and so yes, yeah, so a lot of it's just purely from from negative. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that that's probably quite a good lead into maybe the first thing we want to talk about. Um, cause, uh, we could talk about the the, the works I think at great length, but I, we really want to talk a lot about some of the collaborative stuff you've done this evening. And, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. And doing work from um, archival stuff from people is kind of how obsolete and discontinued happened. It was kind of the vector, wasn't it? Because it was somebody who you were doing some work for, making prints from old archival stuff. Um, yeah, that then led yeah. to you being, <laughs> telling me, an awful lot of paper turned on you. So tell us how you ended up. Well, tell just tell us all about how obsolete and discontinued happened there's a sort of slight pre-story to actually starting the obsolete project and it was um i'd i'd been introduced to 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 a client uh david yates um who's not a photographer but he had a large collection of uh glass plates from a photographer called emma barton who was from birmingham she was working predominantly around the turn of the century the 18th the 19th century that is and her work was very much in the Victoria style, and uh, she had retired to the Isle of Wight. And David's grandfather, just after the war, heard the sort of tinkling of smashing glass from the next door. And it was the photographer Emma Barton's grandson was basically smashing up her collection of glass plate. You know, she'd obviously passed away many years previously. And he sort of said, oh, can I, are you, can I have these? And it wasn't because of any out of photographic, you know, sort of interest. It was more the case that it was after the war. These were sort of 12 by 15 and 10 by 12 sheets of glass that could be bleached and then used for a greenhouse. Oh, oh that's, that's, yeah. that's tragic. <laughs> so, um, Times have changed. So what, yeah, so, so, the, so, so this collection of over 100 negatives, glass plate negatives, was then passed down over two generations. And, and David's, you know, had them for, for some time and been wanting to do something with them. And uh, through contacts from the Library of Birmingham, uh, because Emma Barton's some Emma Barton's uh, archive is in in the Library of Birmingham. I, I was, you know, sort of introduced to David, and he, so we start talking. He came to London to get some test prints made, and and he would he mentioned his his um, about his late uncle uh, Brett Sampson, who's who'd been an artist, an uh, art teacher, and he'd work in ceramics, painting, and photography. And he said, oh, I've, I've got to sort of, you know, and he lived he, he lived in London, so he would stay with his widow when he was coming to see me. And he kept mentioning, oh, I've got to clear out the dark room, because there was one room that had been a dark room, it had not been, you know, David had passed away, I think, five years previously. Uh, sorry, Brett, Brett, I should say, Brett, uh, his uncle had passed away five years previously. And he said, oh, I must clear this dark room out. And, so unexpected, I was, you know, so David turned up one day, knocked on the door, and he had a, you know, you know the shopping trolley that you, you pull behind you. And it was, he said, oh, I've got these, you can have them all if you want, or we can just go downstairs and chuck them in the skip, then downstairs. <laughs> uh, so, so I looked in, there's all these yellow and orange boxes and packets, and I thought, 
oh, okay, um, what should we do? And I was sort of half and half thinking, oh, do I really need <laughs> a lot more stuff, old photographic paper? And I said, oh, no, yeah, we better take them. And so, yeah, I was left with this big collection. Well, in fact, that was just half, half, half the paper. You know, the next time he, he brought the rest of it along. And, yeah, so that's how the project started, um, the, the donation of one collection of old photographic paper. So how old was this paper that you and then you displaying what I think is a very uh, sort of a habit of all of us analog photographers well not actually aid you're pretty good for not being like this <laughs> but of going oh stuff oh well I probably ought to have it I don't need it and I don't have the room for it but it is free stuff so yeah but but the aid you, you've not got a dark room have you so you don't you don't fall into this trap of no, I, on things. I, I, there, there are other things though that, that have potential to go that way. Things like collecting cameras and collecting film and stuff like that. So, uh, I, I, I am, I am guilty in, in some areas of having too much stuff that hangs around for ages. Film, film is one where I can never know quite. I always like to have a selection of film uh, around because you never know quite where the whimsy will take you when you wake up on a nice sunny day at the weekend and you don't have to go to work. Um, uh, and uh, the, this year, actually, right now, I've probably got more aging film in my fridge than ever before because I've been focusing almost entirely on instant film this year, <laughs> and so all my negative film is 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 just sitting there in the fridge, slowly entropying. There. <laughs> that 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 sounds like another project in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but no, with, with, with this collection of paper. Um, you know, I did think, oh, what to do? And I thought, well, it could be interesting for something. You know, I, I certainly knew that a lot of old papers are great for lith printing. And because a lot of the good papers have been discontinued, um, that, that lith prints, I thought, well, that, that could be interesting. And so this was actually, I was just trying to remember the sort of, the, the sort of timeline of when this was happening. But this would have been um, early 2015, I think. And at the time, it's quite involved with. I don't know if you have you heard of the London Alternative Photography Collective, LAPC. Um, that was uh, set up by artist photographer Melanie King, and it was set up really to sort of get people together. And what was happening is that every month there'd be a meeting, and at the time it was it was actually in the place which is now where Tina Rowe and a lot of people are, are, but it moved to this, this, this great gallery in Dalston called the Doom Gallery and in Ridley Road Market. And every month there would be a meeting that sort of, you know, sort of, and that the collective was basically whoever turned up. And the, the idea was to, sh to share ideas about, um, well, alternative stroke analog photography. So every month, two people would give like 30-minute talk and with questions, and there was a bar. So it was a, it was a social thing as well. The bar was red stripe and, and white wine, as I remember. And, <laughs> Glass And water. And what, yeah. Oh, no, no. And um, so it was, it was a great place for just meeting people and talking about, you know, the things that we all enjoy doing. And... I'd been going along for like a year or so and, you know, met quite a few interesting people and done a talk about, you know, because I, I also, you know, as well as this other work, I also, you know, work on my own photographic projects. So I'd, so I'd given a talk about this this project, Nocturnes, that, that was all lift printed. And so anyway, I thought, well, 
there've been sort of quite a few group, you know, a few group exhibitions and things happening for World, World Pinhole Day, and you know, people doing workshops together. So I thought, well, maybe if I just say, look, we got the, this old paper, could we just dish it out to everyone and we'll do like a group exhibition at the gallery here? And um, so that was the sort of the genesis of it. Um, I then went into sort of darkroom monkey mode and started doing serious testing on all the papers to see what the potential was. And then presented, you know, sort of one, uh, one of the meetings, this this idea of a project. And again, it was meant to be maybe, you know, 10, 15 people will, will, will do something. And it sort of grew um, and, and grew. And, and it, so it's it, so I mean that's there's there's a real organic sense I'm getting from this story. So you know it, it sounds like it's one of these things that sort of grew grew its own life. And... Yeah, yeah, it was um it, 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 it you know organic is the word, but it was again it's through this idea of collaborations, collectives, connections, and obviously people know people, so. Well, I appealed to just, you know, quite a small bunch of people. Um, they might have says, got in touch and said, well, actually, I've got a friend in America who'd be great for this, and I, I've got a friend. So what happened was, over a period of a couple of months, there's the what was meant to be about sort of 15 people, and we'll maybe do an exhibition in a few months' time, it grew over to over about 60, 60 um, participants. And wow, okay. Yeah, which um, is... On reflection, it's quite a big number, especially um, especially if you're the editor, right? And and does that 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 you? Know, I mean, I'm 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 sitting here on the desk beside me is is this beautiful book called Obsolete and Discontinued, um, uh, and clearly there's a huge amount of of thought and and passion and uh, editing and and you know collaboration gone into it all. I mean, how, how on earth do you take something that has grown organically that's got 60 different contributors? How do you turn that into a, a cohesive piece of work? It was never meant to be this way. <laughs> 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 it was meant to be so simple. Um, it, the, the, the whole thing's been sort of progression, you know, step by step. Um, when, when it obviously became quite a bigger project, I, you know, I... I put a PDF together to send to everyone and say, these are all the papers, and I worked out that this paper could be good for lith, this paper is so fogged it can only be used for lumen prints, This, you know, so, so I, I, I gave people what was available. I said, please choose three, and you'll hopefully get one of them. And that actually worked in the end. Everyone hopefully got at least one paper they, they were interested in using. Um, and then it was a case of sort of, so I, I, I purposely said, you know, it's an open brief. What I want you to do is just produce something interesting using this paper. It doesn't even have to be printed on it. It can be used as a paper negative. It can be scanned and used for something else. It hasn't got to be the finished result. In, in most cases, it is the finished result. But it was a case of trying to get people to think creatively and just try and find what the potential is of all this material that was meant to be discarded. So, so that was the sort of theme. That was the theme. I mean, but when it comes up to sixty people, though, you ended up with two um, shopping trolleys worth of this stuff, shopping basket, whatever it was, mm -hmm. worth of this paper. When that's being split up between sixty people, that suddenly isn't going to go quite so far. I know when we were talking to Kai, um, she was saying that I, I can't remember how many sheets of the paper she got, but it wasn't 
It wasn't very many, you know, because it, no, it has to no, no, it's a, people. <laughs> it was, it was, you know. So the idea was to produce just one image. Um, so the, the well, everyone got the equivalent of say about ten sheets of twelve sixteen or twenty sheets of ten eight. Um, if it was five seven, you know, maybe more. If yeah. were using it for paper, paper negatives. Um, so yes, the idea was that you have enough to hopefully experiment to make one image. Right, gotcha. Because I was going to say, it takes me about an entire box of papers to make one image of myself at the moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> My it, bin it, is but, full it, of uh, failed experiments. But interestingly, you know, some people actually surprised me, and they didn't. They produced a series. You know, um, mm. it, it was it was so encouraging because you know the work that came back in was was. Every envelope that turned up, you know, so every box that turned up was a surprise. And I'm so glad that I made it open and brief because so often with these sort of collaborative projects, there'll be a theme like, say, you know, the environment, you know. Um, and I always find that if I'm applying for, like, you know, a festival or something and it's got a theme, and if there's a theme I just can't relate to, I just think, oh, I'm not going to enter because I can't twist my work into this theme. So I thought the idea is, well, let's just make it open and then after that, we'll then sort of try and work out how we can put this work together. And I think I think that's what's happened. You know, sort of. Um, I said there were sixty people. Uh, I think I maybe got fifty fifty back. A few, a few people either couldn't do it or were never seen again. Um, I, I met I met a couple of interesting people in in uh, Warsaw. I was introduced to and. They were said, oh, oh, we because there was some uh, cibachrome, you know, direct um, positive colour paper. And as you know, the, the chemistry is long gone. But they said, oh, no, we can do not paper negatives, but paper positives in colour. And I thought, this is exciting. And sadly, you know, sort of, it's still a war, so never saw again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so, so, but obviously I didn't expect everyone to produce something, you know. So, but I got, I think, maybe about 50, 50 people back. That's a pretty good hit, right? Yeah, and then then actually, sort of, um, well, there were bits of bits of things, bits of paper left. You know, I managed to find a few people as things went on who the, who then later contributed. Um, so that that was that was the, the, the you know the start of it. And then within a few months, um, friends sort of suggested that uh, I think you've heard about the Revala Tea Festival in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, they, the friends, uh, Constanza and Andre, they 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 they'd um, exhibited the year before, and so they knew the the directors, and they said, "Oh, well, should maybe get in touch with them." So, thanks, they're Colombian, but being Spanish speakers, they have, they they basically translated everything and put put sort of a proposal together, and uh, yeah, they said, "Great." So, so that was the, that was the first exhibition sorted, and that was a deadline. <laughs> so um, yes, so we about, yeah. So so we we then you know so. I think you know. I think the the the, um, the works finished coming in maybe November, two thousand fifteen, and the exhibition opened in May the next year. Okay. So yeah, so that 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 became the timing to get things sorted. And, and did, yes. so so all of these things were were, were printed. I mean, you, were you were you sending the original prints that you'd you'd received back to 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 be part of the exhibition show? Like, yes, what, one yeah, of a kind and, things. And, and, There's no no safety net there, is there? In, in, in most cases, but in, in some cases, the work's been scanned and printed digitally. Um, so, you know, some of the chemigrams, 
you know just changed so much that you know so it was it was more effective to 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 um to to, to print a digital print from a scan right yeah um but yeah i'd i'd say the majority of the work is are are the the, the original prints from the paper it's you know the project was never meant to be a you know a purely analog project let's say it was to use the the paper to create work and if that work involved digital that's that's absolutely fine yeah. but yes i'd say the majority of the, of the work is 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 um that's presented and, and exhibited is is the original sort of analog prints. Mm. The the work um, is incredibly varied. The the process. I mean, you've already mentioned things like chemigrams and um, there's obviously silver gelatin prints. There's all sorts of stuff, and we, I want to sort of dive into some more of these as we go on. But mm. how how surprised were you by what you get back got back in when things started turning up? Bear in mind, as a, as a baseline, um, Kai Lewis, who, as we just mentioned before, was where this originally came up. Uh, her contribution was a fairly was a lumen print of uh, a crow corpse. Um, so starting with that as a baseline, <laughs> which, is, which is a pretty strong start, um, were you surprised by what people did with it? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, yes, you know, sort of. Uh, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. By the, the the diversity, and in in a lot of cases, I was really sort of you know, not surprised, but really happy with the, the creativity that that and and also the work and effort that people you know people put put into into the into the project. Um, there was some really sort of interesting work produced. I think, like for example, um, if you know the, the the back cover picture of the book, um, which is an hourglass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by and- Andrew Chisholm. Um, that that was on a on a paper Ilfamar, an old Ilfamar paper which I had never heard of before. It was an old graded warm tone paper from I think the seventies and sixties, and uh, he did a photogram of an hourglass, and the exposure was the time that the the grains of sand took to pass through the hourglass, which is a lovely idea, and also just by the nature of the hourglass that forms like an an, an infinity symbol. Yes, but if you think about think about it, how do you do a photogram? Because it's a vertical thing; you can't just lay it under and larger. So he actually con- constructed a, a device and a rig. I think it's on his blog. But he constructed a device so he could actually make a photogram vertically, <laughs> um, and of, of of this hourglass. And I, th- I, th- I think it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful image. So it was these sort of uses of, of the material that that really, you know, sort of pleasantly surprised me how you know how much sort of um ideas and thought people put into it it's in many ways it's um it, it's a lovely introduction for some perhaps for a lot of different processes um you know i mean like so there's there's um God, there's so many on here that talk about one I was just looking at, and it's a process that I know nothing about. And I look at the picture and think, well, I have no idea what is going on here. Is um, the picture by um, Brittany Fletcher, uh, which is a, I, I'm not sure how, Morden Cage, Morden Sarge. I don't know what that more, thing more, I, I, I thought as soon as you said that, I thought, I bet that's the Morden Cage picture. And I, I, it's not a process I've used at all um, or, or even know about. Um, Brittany's American artist and photographer who's based in Edinburgh. And she she gave a talk at the um, at the LACP Alternative Photography Collective one time. So that that was how how we got to know her. Mm. And it's some process that's involved using bleach and 
you soften the emotion so much that you can then play around with the play around is not the right term. You can then work with the paintbrush and you know so basically brush the emotion that's floating on top of the paper. So mm. it's a it's a, pro, it's a process that the emotion is is raised and removed from the paper, and then once it's been applied, you can then take it out and it sets. So when you look at the print, it's almost three-dimensional. Well, in a way, it is three-dimensional because the yeah. paper, as you see in the image, forms folds, and so there is a sort of pattern forming. So that that's perhaps the one process that I'd, I'd heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, but I, I've got no, you know, sort of no idea really how, how that one's done. It, it, it is, it, I suppose it's, um, well, the, the look for people who aren't looking, it's kind of, if you... If you've seen ever seen people do emotion lifts with Polaroid pictures, where you've got that wrinkly yes. of the thing, and then yes. imagine that taken to yeah. the nth degree and and used as the basis for a picture. I mean, this particular image is of of a um, uh, paper boat sitting um, on the sea of this wrinkled up emotion. It's great. I mean, it's what an incredibly effective, beautiful image, um, mm. but. Yeah, that's, that's, the, the work actually, I think the, the work's referencing the, the migrant crisis actually, you know, because so, this was the time that so, there were so many people sort of, you know, losing their lives and in, in, um, crossing, you know, crossing over. Um, so, so, so there is a sort of reference in, in there. I just thought it might be worth pointing out that, you know, so for listeners that the work can all be seen on the website, which is obsolete-discontinued.com. So in any work that we talk about, you know, that can be seen uh on on the website a very good point we should have probably said that up front <laughs> <laughs> i just suddenly thought when you, when you when you said so um but actually going back you know you, i you, you asked and i never never applied but the um the ages of the paper papers used i i th i think the oldest paper was probably about 50 years old um and the freshest youngest paper is maybe 20 years old and that's um, it, well. Alfred have just introduced multigrades, resin coated five, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I think I think we had some uh, uh, version three. You know, so oh, <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Right. So, 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 so that that was the freshest paper that, that we had. Well, I know I know that four came out twenty five years ago. So. <laughs> yeah. So actually, no, there, there was a bit of four as well, but um, it was quite old. But yeah. So the, the paper was, I'd say, is roughly between. Maybe fifteen to twenty, but predominant predominantly the main bulk was thirty to fifty years old. I think that's quite spectacular. I mean, are there? Um, I, I suppose you can't really ask you what pictures you particularly like. That so, I mean, that's bringing you in a difficult spot. Are there any that you look at, especially given your um, you know your profession, that you look at and think, ah, oh, well, wow, that's you know, I'm I'm impressed at what's been done with that, or the way that the artist has. Um, use the qualities of the particular papers we're looking at a picture um it's a silver gelatin print um by andy billington of it's sort of a um, rocky outcrop with some trees growing on it and the paper is incredibly fogged it's um but it just gives the image uh, a fantastic look which i don't know how you would achieve that through any means other than That's... having that's that's a really really beautiful image. It's also the smallest print in the whole project. It's it's really small. I think it's about um, oh, should we talk centimeters? It's about maybe ten centimeters high. Oh wow! Oh, okay, so is that is but, that but, but, smaller in real life than it appears on your computer screen then? 
Well, yeah, but in in the book, it's 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 quite small because we wanted to reflect, you know, that isn't it's not a large image, mm. uh, and it, it's a pinhole um, photograph taken. So I think he he shot it as a paper negative, and then contact printed that paper negative to a positive. Um, so it's a, it's a very deceptively simple <laughs> uh, uh, photograph, and it's a very very beautiful image. And what I love about it is that the work, the work is, for the exhibition, oh, let's say 75, 80% of the work are all in 40 by 50 centimetre frames. Uh, other work is, in, is, is mounted and framed individually. But that works so well because it's a very small image in a, in, a, in a very big frame. And it really actually sort of emphasises, you know, because I think with some work, when it's the smaller you get, the closer you have to get to look at it. So it really draws you in. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that 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 was a great great surprise. You know, sort of. Um, I was just thinking about other other work. Um, one 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 set again. As I said, I just I just thought people would just do one print. You know, one image. And do you have you seen the work by uh, Tanya Falak? It's a series of four photographs um, shot in India. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. Um, yes. And at the time, she, she's a, a photographer from Slovenia. At the time, she was um, uh, finishing her PhD at the Royal College in photography. And this was, you know, this was a series she's been working on for, for many years. And she was she was printing, you know, very large prints, I think about, you know, 30 by 40, oh, 30 by 30 inch prints, you know, uh, by hand in the, in the dark rooms at the college. And... Um, I sent her, I think, nine and a half sheets of 1216 uh, Agfa Bravira, um, grade six. As you know, paper goes up to grade five. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that, but, 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 but this it's, must it's, be it's, some it's, special paper then. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, you know, sort of, um, Graham will reassure you that, you know, sort of, you know, normally paper is what grade zero to grade five. In fact, grade zero, zero to grade five. Um, but in the 60s and 70s, you could, you know, like Spinal Tap going up to 11. You, <laughs> That's exactly you, what was going through my mind. Absolutely. This was. Is like, it's like, this you know, better. This, this paper goes up to grade six, you know. So um, so it was it was extra contrasty. So, you know, paper degrades. But this that paper was probably 30, 40 years old. But it, and it had softened, you know, because paper will soften. But it was probably still a grade four, maybe a grade three. And out of nine and a half, nine, nine and a half sheets, she she sent four beautiful prints, and it's like you know that I was so impressed with because you know I could I could not produce four prints you know from like nine and a half sheets of paper, um, so they work so wonderfully together you know uh, in the exhibition as a, as a series of prints, so so that on a not not on a technical level but just because you know it's not a technical thing it's it's a series of beautiful images seen together. But that sort of knocked me out, just to sort of have you know four four prints from from just you know quite a small amount of paper. Um, so yeah, yeah. So there there are many many sort of wonderful surprises like that. Yes. Which ones catch your eye? Because I know that you know alternative process and stuff like that is not something you delve into quite as much. Um, which ones not catch yet. your eye as you're looking through them? That's a good question. So there, there is one uh, that jumped out at me as soon as I flicked through the book, um, uh, and uh, it is, uh, it is. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't think, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I want to talk about yours afterwards, Mike, for sure. I, I, so, so I don't know quite how to. So, so it's it's not a portrait. It's it's a man in a hat and a, in in a landscape that looks like it could be snow or, or desert. Um, but uh, and it's by Anna C. Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. So sort of, um, I, I mentioned about earlier that sort of we had the first initial exhibition. In fact, we had, in fact we had two exhibitions, and the second exhibition was in Cologne, in Germany, and. Anna had, um, is a photographer, archivist, and um, she'd, she'd helped on, on, on preparing the exhibition. And so I, along with Tobias, who, who put the exhibition on, and I, I sort of, I, I saw some of the work she was doing, and I, I thought, said, well, we've got some resin coated paper, would you like to get involved? And so what that, that print is, it's, it's, it's a five by seven resin coated print, but before exposing the print, she crumpled the paper up ah. and folded it. So it's been printed with, you know, sort of distress caused by folding the paper and fogging and then flattened out. And it's a beautiful image, you know, sort of, uh, and yeah, so that's, that again is, is quite a nice small piece. And it works, re- it works really well. And, and it, it, it gets my brain thinking so so i can appreciate at the beautiful image level a lot of the images yeah. but this this one just got my brain thinking as like well who is he why is he standing alone all in the desert or is it the snow and there's this whole sort of is he uh like a a sergio leone style cowboy right it, it, or, or is he a, a blade on a style outlaw or is it yeah it, it, it just got me really thinking about who he was and and uh and what he was up to quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is a bit of the you know sort of Paris Texas sort of feel to it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's just like, yeah, I, yeah. It's 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 almost it's almost it's almost an iconic image in a way, in the sense that you, you I look at it, and I think I've seen that shot before somewhere, and mm-hmm. clearly, clearly I haven't. But you know, there's there's a certain there's a certain genre of movie making perhaps, or maybe several genres of movie making where a still like that, you could imagine it being a still from the movie. Um, and, and anything of course, that's got a movie is a hence uh, as essentially, you know, is a visual narrative, isn't it? So, you know, that's what gets, yeah, it's, 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 well, what's the story behind it all? Um, that, that's I'll, a, I'll, I'll, sorry. Yeah. I say that that's the one that jumped out at me to answer Graham's question. That's the one that jumped out at me first, first and foremost. I mean, that raises an interesting. Sorry, Mike, an interesting question because you you were talking about earlier this fact that this whole thing grew quite organically, and you're now saying, well, even once you'd got all the work in and you started exhibiting, you it was still growing because um, that work and also um, the work that uh, Tina Rowe ended up doing came about after the exhibition again with more of this um, uh, Ilford Multigrade Three that you obviously had left. I mean. Did the project, did it only end, has it even ended, but did it only end once all the paper was gone? Well, um, the paper has gone. Um, what the, I think the project ended in the, in the decision to publish a book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the German exhibition was in, um, yes, it was the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And... All the work came back, and it was sitting in the corner in the crate in, in the studio here, and kept thinking, oh, we should really sort of show it in London. And um, 
So we found a, found, found, found a venue. In fact, it was a suggestion by Kai, Kai Lewis, actually, of where, where to show it. And that was going to be in September last year. And I kept thinking, oh, this could make a really good book. Books are expensive to make. I've always wanted to make a book. What should I do? And so the decision was made. Thought, okay, let's do a book. So that I think with publishing the work, that that that's probably the, the project finished, and you know, so if, because it's 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 then been published. But there were there have been people who had got involved, you know, sort of after the previous exhibition. So I think there may be sort of five six people, including Tina Tina Rowe, uh, Anna Wagner, and Tobias, who contributed work. Not you know not quite to the very end, but you know so they were the last people to to be contributed. So so while not in the first two exhibitions, there are very important parts of the the project, the book, and the third, and then subsequently fourth exhibition, which is on just now. So yes, yeah, so, so it was it so it, it got to a stage that we've got to have a cutoff point, and and I think the book is going to be the cutoff point. Have, having said that, <laughs> 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 when we, so, um, towards the end of getting the book together, uh, David, who I mentioned earlier, who who supplied all the paper, he he actually went went back to sort of clear, you know totally clear out the the room that that uh, Brett Sampson's darkroom had been in, and he found some film. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, so I, I was given about thirty rolls of actually a lot of it was colour film towards the very end, you know about two or three months before the book went to press. And I suddenly thought, oh, we can expand it. And then I thought, no, 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 no. So, But I, I did actually give give film out to a, to a couple of people who were then uh, got involved in, in the project. Um, so there were a few last-minute last, last minute additions to the project. Uh, so, yes, it turned out there was a bit of material left. It was actually film, uh, not paper. Um, but, yes, I think the project is complete. That's probably there needs to be an end point to all these things. Yes. We, looking at these pictures in front of us, honestly, I think pretty much every single one deserves to be talked about at length because they are they are so fantastically diverse and also just uh, I I kind of love all of them, I, which is amazing for a book with such varied content. But um, that, that was a challenge. Pictures, yeah. I can imagine. But I think we, we should definitely, seeing as it's your picture and seeing as yours is, as much as they all are, a very distinct thing. What, how on earth did you make your picture? Because your picture is of a pile of salt crystals in perfect clarity and definition on paper. What, how, yeah, yeah what and how, those two? <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's, a, that's a very easy one. Um, I, I just popped into the local shop around the corner, uh, got some rock salt, and there was with some of the resin coated paper. I just made a, a, a photogram. Oh, in fact, I made quite a few photograms, and then scanned scanned the photograms. Got digital negs made, as we talked earlier. I had some negatives made from the digital files, and then uh, printed those in the darkroom. So it's a, it's a series of I called them salt islands because it actually looked a bit like um, coastlines with sort of small islands. Um, breaking off so it's a really really simple photogram um that that, that 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 that's all it is so why did you decide to do that what was it made, that made you make that choice for this ah uh, when, when, when i was doing the, the testing phase let's say uh trying to out these papers i got quite into photograms at the time so i was, I was testing a lot of the papers on different different photograms <clears throat> and that, that that might become a project in itself some point you know the idea of um doing photograms but everything's got to come from my local shop 
Um, <laughs> quite a nice idea. Photogram, Canastella <laughs> photogram. Oh, it's, it's a great, it's a great local shop, you know. So maybe they'll sponsor the opening, you know. So um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it, was, it was, it was. I was just happened to be exploring photograms at that time, and uh, I, I can't remember. I know why it was now. Just, just remembered there was a client was wanting to do something involving the ocean. And I'd asked what would happen if we um, did the print, but sort of then laid down some salt. Would it be interesting? And we did some tests, and it wasn't interesting at all. <laughs> um, but, oh, that's my, my personal opinion, that is. Um, but then, then you know, so, so we didn't do that. But then I, I, I then thought, actually, the salt crystals themselves on their own might be interesting. So, so yeah, so, so that's how it developed from, from there, I think. Uh, well, it looks fantastic. And... Uh... Listeners should go to obsolete and discontinued, obsolete-discontinued.com to see all these images. And the book is still, are you still have it available to sell through the website? Very much so. I'm surrounded by boxes just now. So, um, <laughs> I, th- I remember oh, it was a blog, not blog, a podcast from America talking about publishing. And they said that you know people get to the stage in self-publishing that you start making furniture out of boxes of books. And <laughs> I, the, the, the other day, I was, I was shifting things around, and, and I realised I'd made a chair, you know, with a back. <laughs> um, but no, the, the books have um, we, we we crowdfunded to begin with, and it's it's you know it's sold, it's sold you know quite quite respectively, and it's it's in a, the distribution is not huge. It's, it's in sort of you know quite a few shops, but um, there's a link on the website. Um, there's a PayPal tab just to sort of buy you know sort of buy it and i've sort of made it as competitive not competitive you know it's, the, the, it's, the the postage prices are you know a bit less so it's so it's effectively reduced um so yes it, it's it's very much available um to buy directly from the website there's there's the option there and if people don't like paypal just use a contact or email me and i can send an invoice with uh, payment details for backs as well because um, the book has it's the um I'm just looking at the website now. The yeah, the sequencing on the website reflects the book, um, but I think the book's easier because, as we talked about earlier, this work is quite diverse. So, it's how to try and make it one cohesive body of work. So, hopefully, with the book, it's it's sequenced in a way that it develops from sort of genre to ideas. It starts off quite abstract with sort of you know very colourful chemigrams, and it sort of goes into different sort of areas. And it ends up coming back to chemigrams. So that that was the biggest challenge, how to sort of sequence the work. And in exhibition, that's also reflected in that same way that when you when you walk through the gallery, you see these different ideas. Because I didn't want it to be about technique. Um, amateur photography gave gave photographer gave the book a very good review, but they did sort of say, oh, it'd be nice if it was more about you know, explaining the techniques. I didn't want it to be this is the chemigram section, this is the lith printing section. I wanted the technique to be secondary. I wanted the imagery to be the most important thing. And at the back of the book, there's you know all all the all the images. I've got technical details. You know what paper. You know who photographed it. What country they come from. The technique used. And there's a glossary of to explain the, the different techniques used. But I wanted I wanted that to be separate. I didn't want it to sort of predominate predominate that the book was just about technique. Mm. I wanted it to be about the work and the potential that was in all this this paper that had been. You know, left in a, in a cupboard for for many years. I think it's I think it's it's more interesting for that. And also, I think as you said earlier on about the not having any brief, I, I think the diversity of what 
chosen. I'm looking at um, a series of images now, a series of three images by um, Andre Lemieux. Lamut. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's say Lamut because it's a picture of a dog. And it's like Dog Into Night or, well, Night Dog, dog I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I, it's three identical <laughs> images of a, of a dog jumping, but the, each exposure is different. And it's like, I don't know why he's, but I love it. But it's just so weird. And <laughs> oh, it's just oh, so many things. Um, I, I love the book. I think it's a real triumph. Of just... I, 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 I misheard you when you said dog in tonight. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's an interesting, you know, this thing about, we were saying about how, how things grow organically, about connections and sort of collaborations. That's a really good example because um, I, I mentioned when we spoke earlier, I've, I've got this personal project called Nocturne. And, um, and Andre is another, and I was having a big exhibition of this work um last year in Slovenia, in, in Ljubljana. And um, I'd seen on Facebook a post come up about uh, a, a book being published, just being published in Slovenia called Nocturne. And I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to have an exhibition in Slovenia with the same project title. And I thought, oh, is this going to be a problem? So I, I, I got in touch with uh, Andre and I said, oh, look, I've just seen your work and it's really interesting. But Slight issue is I've got an exhibition with the same name opening in about two months' time. Is, is this going to be a problem? And um, yeah, we talked, and he said, "No, I don't think so." So we the next time I was in Slovenia, we met for a beer, and then I said, "Oh, I'm doing this doing this project. Would you like to be in it?" And he said, "Yeah, great." So um, yeah, so that that developed from from that that connection. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's what I like. I said, I mean. As with every image here, I, I could honestly, I think, talk about every single one or ask about every single one. But um, there's other stuff we want to talk about. Uh, but um, yeah, do people just go and look at these pictures because yes, they're great. They are great. Uh, and um, I, th I think, I think, I think the website. Yeah, I'm, in fact, I'm sure. I, I know the website has got links to all the photographers and artists' websites. So, so obviously, you can explore. You know, sort of. Um, no, there's a couple of people who's quite relatively well known, quite well known, and. Um, but yeah, I think everyone who's got a website or some web presence, there's a link to 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 explore more more of their work. Yeah, yeah. And I think no matter what photography style you're interested in, you will find something there that you will find hugely appealing because it's just so broad and diverse. Um, moving on on the collaborations front, because this is not the only collaboration; it's probably the broadest collaboration you've done. But um, you have done work in the past uh, and ongoing with people as well. Um, including the, your portrait work, your collaborative portrait work. So um, could you talk to us a bit about that and, 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 and the film choice you went with for that, which is you know, very relevant <laughs> given recent turn-ups? Oh, yeah, because about ortho. Um, yeah, the, the, this was a project um, that I worked on with a photographer, Andy Atkinson. And I, I, I moved into where I'm working now about, I think, about 12, 13 years ago. And at the time, he was a photographer who had the studio above me. And I'm not sure why, but uh, I, I, I'd started playing about with paper negatives. And I'm trying, I, I can't remember why I started, started, started doing this. I, I just did some portraits um, on paper negatives. And I, sh I showed them to Andy and, and he sort of said, oh, that's interesting. And um, he said, oh, you want to use my studio? And I've got five, four cameras. And I thought, well, do you want to do something together? And he said, yeah, let, let's try this. So... So we, we started working together um, using paper negatives. And it was this was maybe at the time that the Collodian revival had sort of just started. And I remember 
doing a workshop on Collodion um, with uh, Mark Osterman and Franz Scully. Not because I wanted to work in Collodion, but I, I was more interested in the historical, you know, being interested in the history of photography. I just wanted to experience how people use this process. And, you know, with paper negatives being orthochromatic, it can, you know, give very similar results to wet collodion mm-hmm. without the unpleasantness of, of you know, <laughs> being exposed to sort of collodion and all the, all the sort of, you know, chemicals. Um, I'm, I'm not saying it's a sort of copy of wet collodion, but it's got, you know, sort of, it has similar sort of tonal values. So, so we worked out sort of um, quite a sort of good method of sort of, of controlling the negatives because if you make a paper negative and just process it in normal developer, it goes pretty much black and white. But we found that sort of, um, you know, really sort of controlling the, the development, basically really underdeveloping the negative. So it was very, very tonal. And we got some really, you know, encouraging results. Um, they're on my personal website, uh, which is mike-crawford.co.uk, I think, yeah. um, under collaborative portraits. And so they're all shot 5.4. And well, we've done quite, quite a lot of portraiture that way. We, we then thought it would be good to actually do a, an actual project. And um, also at the time we started um, experimenting with orthofilm. And... But that gave us a sort of slightly more refined result than the paper negative. Well, actually, sort of, you know, if you're enlarging, a, a, a far more refined result. And at the time, we, 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 well, we photographed a writer, Bernard Copps, and he, he suggested that, oh, you should photograph my friend Peter. You know, it'd be very interesting. To, he'd, be, he'd be very interesting. So then we thought, actually, well, we can photograph Peter, but maybe we should ask Peter to sort of say who we photograph next. So we did that, and then Simon said, "Oh, you should photograph." So this developed into like a chain of like ten portraits that we didn't know who we were going to photograph next. We'd, we'd photograph one person, who would then recommend the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person, and so. But but then we'd, we'd swapped over to orthochromatic film, and now it's great that Ilford have brought out 120 orthochromatic film. So maybe, maybe maybe we can sort of use that next time because we, we were talking about sort of. Um, starting this project again next year with a new, you know, subject to start a new chain of people. So that yeah, that 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 could be that could be something to work on next year. But yeah, I find I find it very interesting that Ortho. I, I'm not quite sure what would lead them, lead them to sort of you know think well it, there's a market for this. But um, it's interesting to see what what people do with this this new film. Have you tried it yet, um, Graham? Have you had any any, any Not yet? yet. I've seen I've seen some of the results um, because people have uh, already got some and are shooting it out now. And people have been buying it up, and um, so I've seen some results. But and um, what I haven't seen any of yet is portraits with it, which is obviously yeah. is, yeah, what you've been doing. So can you talk a bit about what what the results? You know how it affects people think about it or it. It's sold more as well. This is good for the landscape because there's not a lot of reds in the landscape. But so, can you talk about how it affects portraits um, and the look that it gives? Well, maybe just before that, I, I, I know Ilford have promoted this as a good for landscapes, but that's great if you want bleak skies. Because <laughs> the thing is, with orthochromatic films, if you have blue eyes, they'll they'll be bright and beautiful, and because you know, orthochromatic film is. Um, well, it's blue sensitive, so the blues get he- ve- developed a lot 
heavier than other tones, so then they appear far lighter in the print. So the only problem about tuning in the landscape, if you've got if you've got you know sort of cloudy blue, you know white white clouds against blue skies, that's going to be very reduced. Um, but for and for portraiture, it then darkens the reds. Like um, for example, on on the website, there's um, a photograph of uh, Juliet, and her appear her hair in the portrait appears you know pure black, but she's got red hair. Um, yeah, never mind. <laughs> because orthochromatic is is um, you know the, the reds, it's not sensitive to red, so you can use it under a safe light. But then that that then appears a lot lighter, a lot clearer on the film. So then prints black. Mm. Um, so it's again the reason we we're using it is because the idea of, of um, not replicating, but sort of you know so sort of trying to find something that was similar to the tones used in. Uh, 19th century photography before panchromatic before panchromatic film was introduced so that was the reason we started using you know first of all paper negatives and then orthochromatic film um so it's a limited uh palette in black and white but it it can add sort of a lot more contrast texture you know it, it can it can it gives a different mood i think um for example, there's a picture of um, uh, Boz Brewer, a guitarist, and it's a very moody, moody portrait. And I think a lot of that is is uh, helped by the use of orthochromatic film. But it, it is something to, to sort of test quite a lot. You know, if, you, if it's just used and processed normally, it might be disappointing. It needs to be tested. You know, you might find that overexposing and developing will help sometimes. You know, if it's the other way, underexposed and overdeveloped, it will really increase the contrast a lot. Um, so it's, I think it's definitely something that, that you know, if, if using it, it needs to be tested quite a bit to find, to find you know, the, the best results, you know, for, for your preferences. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I completely see what you're saying about getting the look of those old wet plates and, and sort of tin types. Uh, it it really does do that. And, and you mentioned earlier about the fact that, you know, people with blue eyes and stuff, they go kind of almost white. Um, so it, mm, it gives a really yeah. distinct look. Um, these pictures that you're sharing on the website, um, beyond obviously shooting on the author film, are the prints, have you done something else with them? Because I know you do quite a lot with lith printing and stuff like that. Are there other things that you've done to these prints to give them their particular look? Or are these um, fairly straight prints? Uh, with these ones, we took the decision not to darker print them because if you if you print through paper negatives, you'll get all the texture, which mm-hmm. you know can be interesting sometimes. But um, but no, so 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 the the those negatives, paper negatives, and the orthonegs are scanned and then printed digitally. Um, we just felt that that was the best option to get yeah. the sort of you know the the the, the truest result. Uh, and what was interesting also is that um, all the portraits were taken with eight-second exposures. We sort of worked out that this was our our, our best exposure, and um, and that can be quite a tricky one because you if you if you ask someone to sort of sit for eight seconds, it's inevitable there'll be a movement, and that's fine because some of the portraits actually are improved. I think by that movement, they give you know. A lovely smoothness sometimes, or sometimes there's even a slight double exposure. Many times, many times, to be honest, it didn't work at all. Um, but for the ones that we, you know, we considered finals, we think the exposure were, were, were you know, was made by that that sort of sense of time. But what's interesting is that 
Um, I think you talked about it when you were doing yourself portraits that, you know, having to stay long, you know, still for such a long time. But we found that you have to have something to focus on because if you try and just sit, be photographed for eight seconds with no, nothing to focus on, you can sense this black, you know, this this sort of vagueness comes on the portrait's face. It's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But if you if you are at least sort of, you know, if not focusing on the lens, you know, focusing on the window, where, where you, depending on which way the head's head's pointing, that brings more focus, and, and the sitter becomes it becomes an easier experience than sort of, uh, and also you know, sort of uh, things like blinking. That's fine because your eyes just go back to to, to as they were. Um, in fact, the one of one of the images of Esther was used for the cover of Black and White Photography magazine, and um, <clears throat> the editor also got a letter of complaint um, saying that uh, this. I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm not sure if they said shocked, but they were <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> shocked and surprised of Doncaster. Um, no, they, they were. They were. They were a bit bit of concerned that they were publishing an out of focus photograph on the on the cover of of the magazine. And technically, it's not out of focus. It's just the subject mm. moved. It's just blurry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not so, even uh, very blurry, actually, is it? It's it's a night. It's. Oh no! I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's. It's lovely. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. It's funny, isn't it? Sharpness is. <laughs> I was um, uh, just before I came on to chat to you guys. I was um, looking at some of the prints I've made recently, um, and um, Sinead, my partner, came over and I was saying, "Oh, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm slowly getting better." She'd, oh yeah, they, they definitely seem to be getting sharper now. And I went, huh? <laughs> I mean, Uh-oh. that's that's not a thing. <laughs> that's not my printing. I mean, like that's just the negative sort of not. But uh, oh well, sharpness is a very go-to thing for some people. It, well, I mean, we, culturally, we're taught to expect it, aren't we? You know, HD TV is better than old TV, and many 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 pixels are better than fewer pixels, and. Yeah, but it shows the wrinkles up far more, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, but you know that you know, you've got to own that, haven't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if it was said seriously, but Cart- Cartier Bresson said that sharpness was a bourgeois concept, didn't he? <laughs> I, 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 and I, yeah, I'm completely in agreement with him. He could afford to, you know, that, 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 that sort of principle. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, did you, with these portraits, using the orthochromatic um, paper and film, um, how did that affect the way you were lighting it? Did you have to experiment much with that? Because I know that Ilford um, have said that the with the orthochromatic film, um, certainly under tungsten light, which obviously is not something you'd normally use for studio lighting anyway, but it does affect the speed of the film. And I don't know how um, other studio lighting, whether that would affect it or not. But um, did it make any difference when you were shooting? Oh well, um, not at all because they're all, they're all shot by daylight. Ah, that makes life easier. <laughs> well, we, we, we're we're sticking to our Victorian principles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a it's it's a really good point though, isn't it? Because it would be quite easy to 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 take a slower film like that and and to uh, and to think, oh, I've got to throw loads of light at it. But um, I suppose if you used I suppose if you used uh, strobe lights or speed lights, you'd probably get a reasonably full spectrum. But if you used e- even really high quality, yeah, sort of movie LED lights, um, very rarely do they have a full spectrum coverage. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you could easy you could easily get that wrong, couldn't you? Sorry, just just a technical lighting interlude there. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking because uh, the, the 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 color of tungsten that might have quite a sort of effect on it. But obviously, tungsten lights would have been used with with ortho, ortho film. But, but the um, thing about well, if they're tungsten, tungsten as in, um, uh, uh, yeah, as in old fashioned light bulb kind of tungsten. Um, they they may be very warm, but they do th- um, it, it in incandescent light. If that's the right term, is about the only type of light that will give you a full spectrum. Um, so within that warmth, all the colours will be represented, and so your film will be able to pick up the colours that it was sensitive to. Whereas indeed, yes, yes. Uh, where, whereas many, uh, ele- especially even from a couple of years ago, modern LED lights um, don't don't have anywhere near that level of coverage. But uh, yeah, sorry, I'm probably teaching you stuff you know way better than I do, anyway. So. No, no, I, 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 I prefer daylight. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 but but if you think about it, you know, so modern lights that sort of that are balanced for daylight, they should hopefully be, you know, um, be be fine. Um, whether whether or not they'll they'll give enough power, I don't know. Um, but with, with with the lighting, yes, we used daylight, but we then used a combination of, ref, of reflectors uh, and also, you know, like black reflectors to sort of to, to shade the light. So, sorry, not to shade the light, but to sort of, you know, to to, to, to get a bit more modelling on the shadow side. So some sometimes we'd to really put that in so there was no reflected light. Other times, you know, reduce it so it had some reflected light. Um, so it was a combination of using daylight and when i say daylight it's actually more reflected daylight because the studio it wasn't pure sunlight it was a lot of light coming in reflected from the buildings and so we just we just changed the position of the model at different times and used different reflectors you know and, and varied it somewhat um yeah so the, the first i think the first stage the paper negatives was more just working out the potential and then when we switched to orthochromatic and started working on a more thematic series, we then, you know, use what we'd learned to sort of control things with maybe more sort of finesse. Yeah, I'd, I'm looking at the, the first picture you've got in the set um, of Sir John Moore with Mr. Kingfisher, his ventriloquist dummy, because the orthochromatic <laughs> film, uh, as you put in one of your articles, you know, it, because it darkens red things, so lips tend to go yes. darker, and yeah. uh, Sir John Moore's obviously got blue eyes, so they've gone very pale, but the areas around them have gone quite dark. It's, it's quite a terrifying image. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's something just slightly disturbing about that image, and I, and I love it for it, but the, you, people should go and see that. This gentleman and his ventriloquist dummy both staring well, coldly it, it, ahead. It, it, John John Moore's a musician. I, I don't know if you know, like Black Black Box Recorder, and he was in Jesus and Mary Chain at the beginning, and and his own band. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, um, I don't think he's really a sir. I think that's just. Um... I did wonder if Sir John Moore was the name of the dummy. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. I never thought of that. Actually, yeah. Um, no, John's John's the living person, and uh, right, Mr. Kingfisher's okay. the, the dummy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the orthochromatic has given them both the sort of the same eyes, you know. Sort mm. of, uh, uh, but he, he, he brought along several props, including a musical saw. Um, but then he whipped out Mr. Kingfisher from his his bag, and it was like, yes, that, that's that's the best thing, totally. Yeah. It's great. We're, it's we're, really it's, great. It's weird because it's true, but. They... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the collaborative work like this is clearly something that you enjoy doing. I, going back to, because we, you know, we haven't really talked about it much at all, but with your work with print, um, 
how that must be a very collaborative thing when people say to you okay i want you to make a darkroom print of this image um that's the like that's the starting point of a massive conversation because that can go anywhere how does that work when especially if you're doing um like an entire um gallery showing for somebody if they're doing a lot of work how do they come to you with a very clear idea of what they want or is it case of well you know can you how does that work it's in most cases it's it's very much um working to the brief like say for example you know so when everyone's shooting film it'd be often the case that Polaroids would be shot so they would have an idea of, of how the image should look. If it's more, you know, 35 millimeter work, it has to have a natural sort of feel usually. Interestingly, maybe 20, 25 years ago, I was doing a lot of work that was far more affected, you know, using toners, lith printing. And and that was people asking you to contribute something extra. Yeah. Um, but definitely the majority of the work I do now is is more straight printing. And, you know, with, with a lot of work, it's work that's been sort of seen and printed, you know, by other people in the past. It's, you know, you, you're not there to show off your printing skills. You're there to show off the photographer's work. So you're yeah. trying to get the, the, the best representation of that work. And, and, other, and photographers will have different styles. Some will want more contrast. Some will want something very, very tonal. Um you have to sort of learn to work to know the photographer. And, and, and a lot of the times I've been working with people for like sometimes over 20 years. So you really get to know them, you know, not just as a photographer, as a person, as a friend. Um, so you get an understanding of, of how their images should look. And, you know, if, if it's not right, you know, we then, you know, we work on it, you know, talk, print it again. Because, um, you know, sometimes you'll think, oh, this has got to be a really contrasty print just by something in the subject and it's like no no it's i want that detail there <laughs> so um <laughs> but but yeah but in most cases especially after working with clients for a while you know you, you get an, a good inkling of of how, how that work should look um so it's then just you know printing away to sort of make sure that that that's that's conveyed in the print but you know the print is to show their work you know it's, it's to really you know and especially with exhibition work and, and for publication you want to, the work to be concise and, and work together you know you, you wanted gotcha. to sort of have yeah you wanted, wanted to sort of flow so it's, it's there's nothing jarring um I, 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 out of the images have you i mean have you ever done a project which has been more collaborative in the sense that someone has gone okay i'm going to i'm going to you know do my photographic side and then i want you to you know go full tilt and bring your interpretation and all of your printing skills to make to you know to interpret the image and take it as creatively as far as you can because i think i i went a few years ago i've mentioned this many times to um uh, the an exhibition by tim rudman which was incredibly eye-opening for me just in terms mm-hmm. of the, the printing art it's like oh okay the, the negative is just the starting point certainly for tim rudman's work um and where he goes with it have you ever done something like that as one of your collaborative works yeah, yeah, you know, so if I, again, maybe more in previous times when there was lots of things like toning and happening, that sort of thing. Um, in fact, I've just finished the work, it's sitting behind me, um, which is half digital prints, half lith prints, um, which were from digital files. And the artist wanted me to, to you know, 
he's, we had a look at some of the previous prints and he wanted a particular feel for Lith prints, but but with Lith, that was then becoming very much controlled by the printing because it's so far away from the yeah. original digital digital file. So yeah, in that case, that was very much you know sort of. And then he, we'd look together at the prints I did, working which together made the the most succinct set of images, which would work with the color images, which were large digital prints, and the Lith prints were smaller prints. But they, they still had to have some feel to feel. So in, in that case, yes, there there is there is a sort of. Um, I then have to sort of add something, you know, to to the process, not just purely make us hopefully sort of a good representative print. Um, so yes, in that case, that that is definitely sort of you know add, adding something extra to it. Yeah. I know on your website, we um, use your. Um your business uh, which is lighthousedarkroom.com um, you do actually offer the service clearly because you were just talking about it of doing lift people um, uh, my understanding limited as it is is that well actually no you said it earlier like doing lift prints is more difficult these days because a lot of the papers that were good for lift prints have gone now so how oh, yes. do you get around that are you making the best out of what is out there or are you jealously husbanding the limited resources you've got left uh, yes and no. I've still got a supply of seagull paper left, for, but that's that's that's. I bought that many years ago, and that's for my my nocturne project. Um, yeah, the the papers at Lith today, so sort of, uh, the former former Warrantone paper uh, does work. It's had a few changes. It's I think it's just now currently a lot better than it was like a couple of years ago. There was. Some, there were some changes to the chemical formulation, which just wasn't quite as receptive. But I'm quite happy with the, the, the batches that are happening just now. I find it a little bit green, so a little bit of selenium toning after just helps to sort of shift it more to, towards a sort of a slightly better colour palette, let's say. Um, but no, that is that is the sad, sad case is the papers that were great for lith printing are just not available. And that's that's because the companies changed, the companies folded, uh, chemical restrictions. The you know so many papers had to have cadmium, cadmium taken out of them for environmental reasons, um, which is obviously very important for the environment. But for printing, is a bit of a problem because it, that that really sort of helped in some of the, the unique qualities possible in lith printing. Got you. So uh, yeah, that's well, as you said. It's a shame that the environment has to come first with these things, but uh, <laughs> probably. For the best. Um, but the, 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 you know, so this is also going back to the obsolete project. Is that there's something about older emulsions that you know you can. I should have sent you. I forgot to send you. But I've got comparative re testing results when I was, was testing obsolete. That there were some papers that were just grey. You could hardly see an image. Um, when when printed conventionally, but with lith printing, they'd be beautiful. And in fact, uh, Tim Rudman originally was going to be in the project, and he chose an Agfa paper which was absolutely useless. Um, but because of sadly because of other commitments and other, other issues, he couldn't actually uh, work in the time provided. Uh, so he actually you know sent the paper back and we sent it on to to um, Guy Patterson who did something quite extraordinary with it. Uh, but but great thing, Tim Tim has actually been very supportive of the project. So if, so he's, he's he's you know he's 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 been in touch and so come to see it and everything. So yeah, so he 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 sort of knows about it. Um, but yes, yeah, it is a problem. But but you know, so the, the, these older papers were far better. But there is something in, interesting that a lot of the older papers 
can still lift print, but can be absolutely useless for anything else. Yeah, yeah, that 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 um, lift print that uh, Guy Patterns made is, uh, it. I have no idea what it is I'm looking at, but, but, but it's, 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 it's 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 actually he had, I think you know like ten sheets of ten eight paper, and what it is is actually a composite uh, mounted an aluminium of nine separate prints, um, from one negative. It, sorry, so, it's ten sheets mounted in copper. Because uh, uh, obviously it is, yeah. Because this is what every normal person does. It's what yeah. now again? <laughs> well, it's um. He, he, I think he had like ten, eleven sheets of ten eight paper. So he 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 um. He trimmed them square, so that actual image consists of nine separate sheets of paper, all projected and enlarged, printed at the same time, and somehow he's processed them all together to make them relatively. Which if you know lith, yeah, if you know lith printing, that's impossible. But he, he had a machine. He had some <laughs> rocking device. He 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 has some rocking device that he could sort of process it, you know, by a machine. So it wasn't done, you know. If you imagine, it's, it's got like sort of a, some device that's rocking the tray, a large tray with nine sheets of paper, and somehow managed to sort of expose, print them, and process them all together, and and get that result. And and then then each each image was then mounted on aluminium and then sort of you know constructed into a frame. So yeah, it's 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 quite an impressive piece of work that one. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. You mentioned um, the Nocturne project, which is another long-term project that you've been working on. This is a solo piece of work. Probably talk about some of the stuff you just do on your own because um, you clearly have far more friends than we do in general. So, um, but you do also do some work on your own. So um, oh yeah yeah yeah. Tell us a bit about the Nocturne project. Uh, well, that, that 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 came from I, I was getting into I, I, some reason about ten years ago. I got really back into thirty-five millimeter film, and especially the Delta Ilford's Delta three thousand two hundred. And I bought a large batch of Seagull Oriental uh, paper, <clears throat> which was beautiful, cool graded graded paper, which was discontinued. There is still a version of Seagull around, but it's it's different to to the the previous version. Uh, and not made in Japan. It's made sort of somewhere in near Mobile, let's say, I believe. Um, <laughs> God, I can't think of any. I don't, don't know who you're talking about there. Could be anybody. <laughs> I thought. I think that that's that's not a secret. That that's open knowledge. That, that it's made by Harman now. Um, but it was a, a beautiful cool tone paper. It gave lovely blue blacks. In fact, Ansel Adams famously that was you know the the last paper he he used and, and enthused about. But it was wonderful for lift printing, and and uh, I expect you know Anton Corbin's work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, so photographed, you know, loads loads of bands like Depeche Mode, and you know, so sort of, um, his printer Mike Spry, he he, you know, sort of he discovered the how that paper could lift print. So I I'd sort of bought this, you know, quite a big batch of this paper as it was discontinued, um, and I started printing some of the my grainy thirty five mil negs on this paper and just, just loved the results. And at the time I thought oh, I should do a project about London. And cause it's, it's easy. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I live in London, so it's, I haven't got to travel. And I got, you know, I started printing some of them, these sort of photographs that I've taken in the evening and dusk on the Thames. And I, I was thinking about, you know, the painter Whistler who had done his nocturnes, which had the similar sort of limited palette. And I thought, well, you know, this, this is this is interesting. But then I, 
I found that you know not enough work, and I'd been photographing in other other cities, and I started then putting together these different images from different cities, and that became far more interesting. And so the idea with the the, the Nocturne project taking the name from Whistler, and I, I I hold my hands up and admit it's it's the it's the least original name possible for a, for a project on on night night photography. Um, yeah, I, I then started start just working images together from different cities, a lot, a lot in Berlin and London and Paris and different places. And but then I started editing and taking out ones which are really recognisable as as locations. So then it became more of a sort of imagined walk through through a city rather than being one particular location. So the, the project's sort of just grown over the years, and just when I've been away, I'll, I'll take some more. But it's it's it becomes quite a long process you know just the time from shooting to editing to contacting to I, I always do like 10 8 proof prints just some resin paper of, of everything I like and then from the, from those I then choose which to lith print and even then I'll then lith print them and think oh gosh <laughs> why did I why did I why did I print that as lith it looks terrible but you have to go through this process of just you know sort of editing and editing and editing um and yes, yeah, so, so the project's developed from that. And I've had, I've had a few exhibitions. I had a big one, as I mentioned that previously, in, in Slovenia last year. And that was, yeah, you know, so quite a large exhibition there. And again, it's, it's been a bit dormant, you know, with obsolete sort of taken. And also, to be honest, my, my, my commercial work's taken up most of my time. But yeah, that, that's hopefully something to get back into next year and look, look for more exhibition possibilities. It certainly sounds like you've got plenty enough to be busy with. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem. It's just getting, getting the time to do all these things. And it's, it's been quite a busy year with, with quite a lot of things, you know. So, um, but hopefully next year there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be more time. Do you find, Mike, that um, going out shooting with the output very much in mind affects the way you shoot and the subject matter you pick? Oh, def- definitely no, yes. Yeah, you know, sort of... Um, um, you know, when I'm out photographing the evening or at night, you know, I'm definitely thinking of you know how it's going to work. I'm thinking about the the, the tones, how 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 they're going to relate to the to the lith process. Um, and I, I think with that, what I love about that film in particular is that it's got this. Um, I don't know if it's iridation or, or halation, but you know where the whites, the the, the lights glow, and. Mm-hmm. With most black and white films, they have this anti-halation layer you know, to, to prevent halos and, and lights glowing. But obviously, Delta 3200 has got less or something to do with the formulation. So, so that film has a gives a particular glow. And obviously, for this sort of work, it's great because so much of the work involves street lighting and you know lights in general. So I love that combination. So I'm thinking when I'm shooting, oh, will this, you know, will this work? Because this this glow will be accentuated by first the film, and then then the the method of printing. It's a lot of the work is it's it's kind of eerie. Um, I think because the way you've shot it and the fact that you know, it's it is abstract and the, these light sources and um, and there's not really people in it. It's just it, it feels a bit like an abandoned city. Um, it's well, like what's yeah. left after the raptures happened. <laughs> it, there, there, there's, you know, there, there's another. Oh, is this where I get pretentious or not? Um, the, 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 <laughs> the, there's another. <laughs> hey, there's you know another influence is. Do you know the film Alphaville uh, by Jean-Luc Godard? 
I know uh, the name. A, I can't say as I've ever it's, watched it. <laughs> it's 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 a nineties. It's a nineteen sixty five um, Nouveau Vague, you know, sort of French film, and it's basically a, a B movie, um, and it's shot at night on the streets of Paris, or not 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 in the streets, but it's shot in Paris at night. And the conceit is that this is a science fiction film, and this is not Paris at night; it's a, it's a futuristic city. And I was watching that one time, and I, I sort of now and again would sort of see scenes that made me reminiscent of some of the stuff I've been shooting. And throughout this film, the the hero is this sort of um, you know pulp fiction detective called Lemmy Caution, who actually was a character from proper you know French B movies. And the same actor played him in in a Goddard film, and throughout the film he'd he'd walk around with a, a an Agfa Instamatic camera and take snaps as a report. Remember, this is meant to be this dystopian futuristic city. So that sort of gave me the idea as oh maybe you know this, the same idea of walking around snapping. So that sort of led to sort of not taking it as a sort of cultural or you know influence by any means, but more just taking it as a visual influence. Um, this film. And I even started looking for locations that were totally reminiscent of the film, and they were rubbish. <laughs> they just did not work at all. So that was a case of okay, don't force it. But you know that that was like a visual uh, reference that I, I, I took that sorry visual influence I took on board. Um, and interestingly, at the beginning of that film, there's a, a little intertitle comes up saying this film was shot on Ilford film. So I thought, oh great, I'm doing the same thing. Perfect, perfect synergy. I love it. I mean, I said I, I really like the work. It's it's very much up my street um, because it's um, the the approach you've had to it is so uh, kind of um, I was not quick and dirty. That's the wrong word, but it's it's kind of raw. I'm looking at um, it's uh, it's meant to be. You know, sort of. Um, I I I went for a port. You know, you know, sort of when you go to festivals, you can sort of buy portfolio reviews. Um, and I went to the, the, you know, you know, do you know the format festival in Derby? Every two I've years, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. That, it's yeah. really, really recommend it. And um, it's a great festival. And so I, I booked a few portfolio reviews, and I, I showed the work to, to Martin Barnes from the V&A. And yeah, he, he seemed to like it. And he, but he said, oh, it's a, it's a little bit too controlled. You know, sort of, um, you should really sort of break off and you know think of Daido Moriyama and very, you know be very loose and, you know, take things from more abstract angles. And I thought I was being that, and obviously not mm. not enough compared to, sort of, you know, like Japanese street photography. Um, but, yeah, so, so it's, it's interesting getting feedback like that to sort of to, to make me think. And I'm wondering, yeah, should I be a little bit more, you know, sort of, uh, you know, all, all the work's handheld. That, that was just, I don't know why, but that was just a sort of, a restriction I put on myself. So I'm, I'm not photographing deep in the night for long exposures. That uh, They're taken in sort of dusk, you know, obviously sort of nighttime places where there's enough illumination to sort of get something on the on the Delta film. And will you shoot with a very fast lens with this? Uh, oh, they're, they're all shot on, um, do you know the, the Konica Hexar camera? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's only by name. It's pop to own. It's not a rangefinder because it's uh, autofocus, but it's, it's it's often called the poor man's Leica. Um, it has a fixed thirty-five mm lens, f two, and it's just a, it's a lovely camera. It's, it it doesn't look like a big professional camera, it's, and it's, as I say, the the work's all taken handheld, um, which is a, a, a silly re- restriction I put on myself. 
Um, but I think it'd be different if I if I went out with a tripod. It'd be too, you know, I might just get get too mannered. And I think also if you're photographing at night, you, it's nicer just to sort of you know walk around, shoot, and walk on, not not have to sort of think about setting up tripods. That's and, really interesting. And dark alley, alleyways and that sort of thing. It's interesting that you think that you know having uh, a shooting handheld is 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 a constraint you put on yourself. Because I would say shooting with a tripod is 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 a constraint you put on yourself. But oh, I, I meant for more achieving you know proper technical you know sort of quality in, yeah. in that I'm not, like I, situation I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's I, I i would definitely be in the camp that shoots handheld even at night you can lean against a lamppost or the corner of a building or something <laughs> yeah, yeah so um but yeah the, 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 I, I do choose the ones in focus and also actually you know going back to well, not going back but you know sort of thinking about your your latest assignment you know yeah there, there are occasions where it's, it's shot in the day you know where it's shot in sort of you know in day, daylight, sorry, day for night, not not night for day. Um, so there are occasions where it's, I've, I've photographed the stuff in in the daytime, and then it's been heavily printed to give a sort of nocturnal night impression. Yeah, yeah. You were saying that that um, before we go on, um, one of the images uh, is of I don't know what the hell the building is of um, some weird. Oh, sort the, of... the the guest guestometer. The, um, the yeah, the one one with the bird. Oh, that that's yeah. um. Oh, that, that's interesting, that, because um, that's one of my most popular photographs. I've even sold that, that print a few times. And um, it's it's a picture. It's on the website in the Nocturne section, and it's um, – I'm just looking through. And it's of a gasometer, you know, the old gas gas holding. And when people see that, you know, people in London, everyone's got their own gasometer. They say, oh, is that the one in Bethnal Green? Totally, is that the yeah, one in South yeah. It's like, well, no, it's 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 my one in 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 Wood Green in North London. <laughs> sadly, sadly, uh, knocked down last year to make way for uh, um, apartments. But, Flats, um, yeah. Have you seen the ones yeah. they've done um, uh, at St Martin's? At Central St Martin's, they they've actually St. Pan- built St Pancras Kings Cross. Yes, at the back of St Can- yeah, yeah, back that- of St Pancras. They... I knew I knew they I knew they were developing them. It was only the last time I, I caught the Eurostar. I went past and I thought, "What is that?" It's, yeah, they're, they're quite it's, crazy. It's... Where they've actually made the, the the apartment block inside the gasometer, and so they've kept yes. the, they've kept the skeleton. That, that is it's, strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting it's an interesting place. I was down uh, on a photo walk actually, probably last year sometime, and we were walking along the canal um uh around the back of king's cross there um uh which always makes me chuckle because of course when i was a kid you didn't go around the back of king's cross but there you go certainly not and now it's a very desirable (laughs) area Um, but there you go uh uh yeah so people that people pay good money to live around the back of king's cross inside a gasometer go figure (laughs) (laughs) so how do you actually make this picture mike because it's it, I mean, it, it's very dark, but there's a bird flying in front of this um, gasometer. I, I got I got caught out in that one because it's not it's not a photograph. I, I woke up one morning, I looked out the window, and it was really misty. And I happened to have a camera with you know at home at the time, so I just walked out to take a few photographs. And as I say, this 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 gasometer, which is on the photograph, looking at it now, it's it it, it does look ghostly, but it's actually through the mist, through the morning mist. And yeah, it was just photographed. Um, I saw a bird. So I hope I'd caught it. And, and lo and behold, when I looked at the negative, yeah, the, the, there'd been a bird frozen. Um, so I didn't think much about it, you know, about that being an issue. I just uh, 
printed it heavy and really like the photograph. And as I said, I had this exhibition uh, last year in, in Ljubljana. And at the opening, um, ah, there were, you know, so there's a lot of people there. And there was um, someone I know, sort of friend, Goran, who's a you know, quite, quite serious artist, photographer in Slovenia. He, he was looking at this picture very closely with a friend of his there. They were sort of looking back at me, you know, quizzically and uh, looking at the photograph. And I thought, okay, what, what's, 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 what's caught their interest? And then, like a deputation, they, they marched towards me, you know, sort of looking very serious. And they said, um, we want to talk about this photograph. And I said, I said, okay. And they said, this is a photograph, the exhibition about night photography. I said, well, it's, it's nocturne, yeah. I said, well, we don't understand because this bird has been frozen. You cannot freeze a bird at night. You, 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 would, you would never, with a short shutter speed, be able to capture anything at night. I'd go, I'd go uh, one step further than that. All the birds would be asleep yeah. at night. That kind of bird would definitely be asleep at night. <laughs> That's an even better point. I should, I wish I'd, I, I, you should have I, painted I, I an owl on so, it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I said, well, you know, it's, it's not a documentary project. It's, um, there's, there's some license. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's day for night. It's photographed in misty daytime. So it's, but it's, you know, it's printed to replicate the feel of night. So Goran nodded and said, okay, yes, I accept this, I accept this, but um, I'm watching you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I, was told on, I was told off by the Slovenian art police. So, uh, <laughs> the most feared police of all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a lovely observation that, you know, I, I never even considered that that would sort of, you know, sort of appear not to be of the night, so... Ah, yeah. Is it, 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 it caught out interestingly on a technicality. <laughs> yes. It's a... Oh, well. Oh, well. Listen, uh, ooh, uh, uh, we've been talking all around lots and lots of stuff and lots of aspects of your of your work. Uh, we probably should start to wind this up now. Um, uh, but but I suspect that Graham's got another few questions. Uh, to be honest, there's, there's so many things. Um, I, I think... I think I'll just have to talk to Mike again in the future at some point because there's <laughs> there's so many things that I could pick Mike's brains about and ask about and um, Mike's got so much other work that we haven't even touched upon on his website and there's there's so much stuff but um, as you said eh, we've been talking for quite a while so I think maybe we'll save that to a future a future conversation. Sure, sure. sure. So. Yeah, well, we've said so, it's, it's certainly been lots of fun, and I get and and, uh, and it's about this time in the show as well. We like to ask our guests to say, you know, where, where on the internet would you like to send our listeners to 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 see your work or to to engage or or whatever?" Um, but in our show notes here, there's about twenty five URLs. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, because I I have these different strands, so I I, I have to now maintain three websites, but uh, briefly briefly for my my own photography is mike-crawford.co.uk uh the obsolete project that's obsolete-discontinued.com and and so that's got you know all about the exhibition and if anyone's interested in the book um they, they can get it from there and uh and then yeah for, for, for my work it's lightostarkham.com and uh, so that that's really the main things and i do instagram but that's not very much but there's an obsolete discontinued um, Instagram sort of um, page as well that that can be found out. Part, part and, of me is now horrified that somebody who is a professional printer has an Instagram account. <laughs> oh, you you would be. Um, 
the 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 obsolete and discontinued work is currently on exhibition, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's um the, the fourth exhibition. Uh, the third exhibition was in London last year, and the fourth exhibition uh, opened oh six seven weeks ago in Naples in Italy, and it's it's been extended. So it's now on. If anyone happens to be in Italy or passing through. Not Italy, Naples passing through. I think it's on till uh, December the second, and it's a gallery called uh, Magazzini Fotografica. And I apologise if that's if that's a bad pronunciation. Who knows? Um, Who knows? <laughs> None of us here <laughs> are going to correct you, are we? <laughs> <laughs> and that 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 was interesting because um, I, I knowing that I was going to be so busy last year with getting the book together and. Oh gosh, that's another story altogether. But you know, so sort of, um, the exhibition all at the same time. So I've booked a, a trip to Naples because I wanted to go to Pompeii. And about two weeks, no, a week after booking the flights, um, this gallery got in touch with us saying, "Oh, we've seen this project. Would you like to have a show in Naples?" I said, "Well, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to be there in about a month's time. So let's have a talk." And uh, and I thought, oh, actually at the time I thought, oh, no, this has been such an effort to get the exhibition booked together. I'm not sure about having another show. But then went into the gallery and just thought, this is such a beautiful space. It's Oh, it's a really wonderful, wonderful uh, place in, in Naples. And yeah, so so it was over there um, a few weeks ago for the opening, and it was a, it was a great time. Really, really good good place. R- really recommend it. Oh, great uh, stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I'm not, not sure when I'm next going to be in, in Naples, sadly. <laughs> oh, so, uh, sorry, Graham, I spoke over you there. No, no. I was going to say, um, and as as it currently stands, um, there's nowhere. This, the exhibition isn't going anywhere else after that at the moment, is it? But you know, we never know. There's, there's, there's um, no. There's, there's some possibilities, you know, for for next year. Um, and um, but you know, nothing's in any way sort of got past the talking stages yet. Um, but yeah, so there's a possibility of at least a show show um, next year, and maybe in the UK. So um, cool. But we'll, 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 but, but we don't know yet. But we so, don't know yet. No, I understand. I understand. No, no. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Mike, thank you ever so much for, for coming on the show. It's been great to talk to you. Uh, I'm. Oh, and, 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 and yourselves. Good, 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 good to speak to you both. So. I, I have to admit, I got a little bit of whiplash from how, how far and wide our conversation has ranged this evening. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so, some of it I understood. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, fa- fascinating to listen to, and, and of course, one thing I may not understand all of the different techniques, but I do. I, I can see the the output and the outcome of this stuff, and there's some, there's some amazing work there. Uh, so so thank you for thank you for uh, facilitating it, for curating it, and editing it, and uh, and for the stuff. Well, that thank, 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 and, and, and thanks to all the all the contributors. That, well, that's the main uh, thing because it's um they're they're the people that sort of that made made the exhibition um, definitely. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, and on that note, um, I think I think that's probably it. Is it, Graham? Unless there are any uh, any parish notices. I think the only thing, seeing as it's you know kind of ties in with everything that Mike does, is just to remind people that we are still having running the competition um, for to give away the box of uh, aforementioned Ilford Multigrade Deluxe, the fifth generation of the paper. Um, a lot of people have sent in some lovely prints, of, um, for which uh, is fantastic. Um, if so, if you want to take part, all you need to do is just um, wang a print in the post. I'll put the address in the show notes. Um, it doesn't. This is not a competition for who has the best print it's just 
that's the way of entering. So it can be a small print. You know, just I, I, I just love seeing people's work and everything has been great. Don't let the fact that you might not think you're the best printer in the world stop you from taking part. Um, they will all get collected together and we will just draw a name from the hat at the end. So, easy, you know, carry on with that. Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, well, there we are then, folks. Um, we have been the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, you can get in touch with us on the internet, sunny16podcast.com. Uh, email us, sunny16podcast at gmail.com. And then Sunny 16 podcast on the socials. Uh, feel, uh, come, come in uh, and uh, enjoy the enjoy the chat. Um, there's been a, quite a lot of Sunny 16 podcast on Twitter recently, I've noticed. I hope you're uh, not um, abusing the privilege of our social media accounts, young Graham. Not me, although I, uh, vis-a-vis social media, Matthew, I don't know whether you've seen this aid, Matthew did, did a wonderful job with last week's... <laughs> podcast post uh, as we mentioned with money case but matthew likes to do some pretty good photoshop work so ch- check out check out the night goat and party wombat superhero post they did last week i, 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 I saw that on facebook this morning that was uh it's pretty magic <laughs> he was very excited about doing that you need to see it eh? I, i'm looking good. at it right now yes um uh, night goat yes <laughs> <laughs> Thank hey, you, I Matthew. wasn't the only one that thought it said night goat, but there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, well, I tell you what, um, uh, the night goat there is a reference to to Rachel, who sadly can't be with us this week. But we will, as always, play you out with Rachel's band Rocker. Uh, you can get their album "Promises I Should Have Kept" uh, uh, also at places on the internet, including Amazon and iTunes and Spotify. Is it called iTunes? It's probably called Apple Music these days, isn't it? Is iTunes a name from the past? I don't know. I don't know. I do Spotify myself. There you go. Anyway, um, we'll play you out with that. Now, go listen to her music because we only play you a snippet every week, but it's actually a really good album. Uh, That's about it. Um, As always, it's been an honour and a privilege to talk with you all. Uh, And thank you once again, Mike. Um, And we will be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.